Hello everyone, Alexis Brooks here from Higher Journeys back with another episode of Conscious Commentary. How are you today? I hope this little podcast finds you doing well wherever you may be on this little blue planet. Okay, what are we talking about today? Well, the show is called Conscious Commentary, and so I figured it may be high time to have a conversation about consciousness. I don't know that we've ever uh, done, certainly not interestingly, a conscious commentary on just the subject of consciousness, because it is such a vast subject, a mysterious and elusive one for sure. And yet a concept, an idea that permeates this field that we call consciousness field, it's, it's now a field, but all of the subjects that we cover, including particularly now, the idea of the ET and UFO phenomenon. And so in pondering, thinking about what we would discuss today uh, around consciousness, I thought, hmm, let's see what kind of dots we might be able to connect between contact, ET contact that is, or let's just say contact with non-human intelligence uh, and consciousness, including UFO sightings. Once again, uh, I'm, I wouldn't say <laughs> if you listened to the last show, I said I was really discombobbled. Today, I'm, yeah, I'm not too bad. But again, you know, lately, I've just been feeling like less preparation for these sorts of conversations. And let's just get right into it and see what comes out. And I always ask the universe, let whatever is important for all of you listening on the other end to come out on its own. And so here we go with this conversation about consciousness. Uh Oh, this is, uh, I got to tell you, we're about to have a major storm here. And so I'm going to, I'm hoping that we can, we just had a brownout. That was weird. <laughs> hoping that we can uh, carry on here and not lose our power. So I'm going to, I'm going to carry on. Maybe that was a, a wink <laughs> from the universe saying, yes, Alexis, carry on. So here goes consciousness, contact, and the extraterrestrial presence. You know, I don't know if you heard our show uh, just last week with Billy Carson of Forbidden Knowledge. What a fantastic exchange uh, we had uh, where we covered not only Billy's great work and in, in his, uh, you know, meeting out all of the, the mysteries of this world, and he's doing a pretty darn good job of it through uh, his study of ancient civilizations and quantum mechanics and anomaly hunting etc. But we talked about his landmark, I would call it a landmark and, and a trajectory changing or paradigm changing experience in 2009, in which he was, uh, as he described, confronted by two gray aliens. I don't know that this is the first time he spoke about it. I, I think he has brought it up. He, he wasn't sure. But I was uh, nonetheless uh, gratified that he was uh, willing to talk about it again on our show or talk about it in, in great length. Uh, but what I found completely fascinating, and by the way, I'm continuing to look out the window, guys. I hope we don't have to cut this short because we're about to get a major downpour here. <laughs> Let me stay focused. Um, what I found most intriguing about his experience is how he conveyed what he didn't initially believe to be a telepathic download uh, information exchange or an information input from these two non-humans who basically just walked into his home through a wall. 
But the aftermath of that and how concepts were implanted, as as I would kind of put it, in his mind, he talked about, uh, uh, he kept hearing worldwide telescope, worldwide telescope, and I, I believe that's what it was called. Yeah, worldwide telescope, come to find out that it was this very, very somewhat uh, hidden in plain sight website or software that was showing uh, complete anomalies on uh, other planets. And by the way, there is a link uh, to the worldwide, I think it's worldwidetelescope.org where you can now download an uh, updated version of uh, this very interesting thing. Nonetheless, that concept, other concepts, his thirst for quantum physics and mechanics, his, his, um, wanting to connect these sorts of uh, scientific concepts with spirituality, different things that just did not exist heretofore. After his experience with these two, uh, we'll call them NHIs, non-human intelligences, uh, just sort of popped into his brain. And by the way, he did mention that the sensation, though he was not getting any information uh, input that he could discern at the time, his brain, he said, was shaking physically. But that's not the focus here. The focus is what happened. What happened on that very brief exchange that lasted, he said, no more than a minute, maybe even less. What happened, it seems, is that there there was a consciousness exchange. Let's back up for a minute. I'm going, going to ask the question, as so many of us who are thirsty to understand what consciousness is, to ask the question, what is consciousness. Certainly, first and foremost, it's defined as awareness, simply being aware that you're aware, that you're aware of your surroundings, that you have the ability to think and uh, send and receive information. That's a basic understanding. And yet the term has been bandied about so much uh, these days as having larger implication. We talk of non-local consciousness, Consciousness being omnipresent, consciousness being uh, existing in all things animate and inanimate, consciousness being primary, and I want to get into that when we will talk a little bit about Grant Cameron's take on consciousness. But the bottom line is the question still becomes: What is the extent of consciousness? Is there is consciousness primary? Is it secondary? Is it an epiphenomenon of the brain? I think many of us have a sneaking suspicion at this point on our journey that it is absolutely not that. It is not an epiphenomenon at all. Apparently, it is something far bigger. And as we fold in these experiences, these encounters, as anomalous as they are, one thing is clear. There is a consciousness exchange, as with Billy Carson's contact experience. Consciousness, it seems, can exist on a multitude of levels. We think of the surface level of consciousness as, again, having an exchange like I am having with you, conscious of what I'm saying to you, pretty confident that there's somebody out there listening um, and is having a response consciously to what I'm saying. But apparently consciousness has farther reaches than we know. And Billy's contact experience was clearly an exchange, or let's just say he, in this case, was the recipient of two very conscious beings 
who had an intention, it's, it would seem, of inputting information in his, well, here's a question, just in his brain or in every cell of his body? Is every cell of our body conscious? I don't want to, I don't want to lose you <laughs> sooner than later. So let, let's try to stay focused. But again, no preparing today, just talking, just, just trying to meet out what on earth is going on with consciousness and contact. Let's move on from Billy's experience. And again, I urge, urge, urge you to go back and listen to that show, particularly the part where we talked about the contact experience and how it was clear for me to see that he was still trying to discern and distill what on earth or off happened to him. My question is, what role did consciousness play in that visit? I want to read something to you. Let's move on to Grant Cameron, because because he's talking a lot, a lot about consciousness these days. And once again, a little plug for the show, we interviewed uh, Grant Cameron just recently out of Contact in the Desert, in which uh, he, really the majority of his, his uh, discussion with me, had an overarching theme of consciousness and how integral a role it plays in our experiences, not just contact experiences, but all experience, understanding extrasensory perception, understanding how craft are able to operate, what the true, uh, what the true method of propulsion is. Could it be consciousness? He talked about that. So I'd urge you to go watch that too, that interview. But let me read something to you. This is from the forward of the book that I had the pleasure of narrating just recently, Meet the Hybrids, uh, in which he wrote the, f- he wrote the forward. And, uh, Right away, he brings up the 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 idea of consciousness being a primary factor in contact experiences. I'm going to quote him. He says, in 2012, I had a moment of insight that came with absolute certainty. The message was simple. It said that the solution to the UFO problem was connected to non-local consciousness. He goes on to say, and that is uh, that idea is a big part of the message in this book, and I would agree. Uh, But he goes on, in that moment of insight that he had in 2012, he was reminded, let me stick with the quote, I was reminded that the Canadian government had been told by American, quote, American officials back in November of 1950, that, quote, mental phenomena were part of the flying saucer phenomenon. He says, I was reminded that a former defense official and later president of Penn State University had told myself and others in 1991 that ESP, extrasensory perception, was a key to the UFO phenomenon, and that we would go nowhere without an understanding of it. Finally, I was reminded that Ben Rich, who headed Lockheed Skunk Works, had stated in 1993 that the mechanisms that facilitate ESP are central to how UFO propulsion works. Okay, there's that quote. That's just one aspect of it. But what, essentially what he is saying that nothing can occur, whether we perceive it as being alive and animate or mechanical and inanimate, it still needs consciousness in order to make it move. Interesting. He, in, in our uh, recent interview, spoke frequently gave many examples of individuals that he had worked with or had heard from who would get messages, telepathic messages. In one case, he was talking about a gentleman, and I can't think of the person's name. I don't know if it was the author of biocentrism. 
we'll go back to that interview and I'll, I'll post the link and maybe where, where he goes into that aspect of the discussion of biocentrism uh, and the author, I believe it was the author who said that he had, did he pose the question to the ether, if you will, to the air and say, if, if this is, if this is another voice, tell me something, give me a message that I don't know. Give me a concept that I don't understand. And I believe the concept was simply biocentrics. And he later got confirmation of that, blew him away. This, this later became the author of, I believe the book is called Biocentrism. I can look it up, but I'll, we'll have a link to it. So Grant gives several very poignant examples of individuals who were having a, a sense that uh, there were and are other consciousnesses, if that's a word, that are constantly interacting with us but are sort of testing the waters to find out how far this goes. When I'm talking, when I'm praying, let's say you're praying to what, whatever you'd like to call it, God, universe, and you're asking, do you hear me? I can tell you a story about a, a, a prayer that I said, and this was a prayer many years ago, of which I was uh, up in arms about something and, and questioning something, looking for a solution to something. And I'll never forget, I looked out my window and I said, God, if you can hear me, can you please let me know? Please, I need to know that you can hear me. And here's what happened. I went over to a friend's house, somebody uh, that I at the time knew quite well, who had this mm, tendency to be somewhat psychic. We weren't talking about my prayer. We weren't talking about anything of substance, if I remember at the time. And all of a sudden he came out and he said, Alexis, out of the blue guys, he said, Alexis, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. You can only imagine. I stopped. I said, what did you say? He says, I have no idea where this is coming from. Because it came out of, out of context for what we were talking about. Your prayer has been heard. At that moment, I knew that there was something integral to consciousness going on. And moreover, non-local consciousness. What's, what does that mean? It means that consciousness, however it's expressed in the form of words or thought or music or, or touch, does not exist within the confines of space and time. Quite the opposite, actually. It can it can surface within what we call linear time and, and uh, uh, here, to, here to their space. But oftentimes, and perhaps most powerful, it does not abide by the rules of time and space. It does not uh, uh, observe material reality as much as it traverses uh, non-material, immeasurable, the infinitude. So... When you have example, when you, when you experience things like, in my case, the prayer, <laughs> it's it, interesting that I asked God, I think at the time I was, I, I like using the term universe, it makes, it resonates with me, but nonetheless, the source, please tell me, please let me know if you can hear my prayer. If I recall that prayer, I, and I, it's so interesting how you remember exactly where you are, when profound things happen, looking out my front bedroom window, 
staring at the sky, blue sky. And it wasn't until days later. Now, obviously, I wanted to immediately. Yes, Alexis, I hear you. Not like quite like that. But you know, you would you would expect that perhaps there would be an immediate feedback of something, even just a synchronicity, a sign. My friend that said, Alexis, by the way, your prayers have been heard. That came days. It could have even been a week or more later, which proves to me, shows me, intimates to me that time and space, consciousness does not play by those rules. And so all of us that are of consciousness also can, let's just say, play outside of those rules, including non-human, and maybe especially non-human intelligence in the form of extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional, interdimensional. Interesting, too, that Billy Carson did not recognize that anything in terms of information input, a deposit of information within his own consciousness, didn't recognize that until perhaps days later, maybe longer. So again, time is off the table here. Consciousness is primary. There is nothing else. I'm reminded of a quote that uh, the channel, or I suppose the channel would be Jane Roberts, who channeled the Seth material, that vast work that lasted uh, probably a couple of decades, of which I studied voraciously back in the late 90s into the early 2000s, said, essentially and simply, consciousness creates reality, not the other way around. Consciousness is primary. So why is it then if consciousness, and we still want to, we don't want to lose the concept of consciousness being primary in ET contact. Would that have something to do with why some people are having contact? Many people, I would imagine, and others not. And so going back to Grant Cameron, something that he said, I believe in our last interview, uh, based on a question that I had posed, he said, well, I suppose it depends on the level of consciousness one has that determines how that contact will happen, or if a contact will happen. We were also talking about synchronicity. And he seems to think that these experiences, including synchronicities, does depend on the level of consciousness that we are at. That's what he said. Very interesting. Um, there was something else that I wanted to say in association with that, if I can, uh, if I can recall it. This idea of uh, the level of consciousness that we're, we're at, let's talk about that for a minute. How does one aspire to be of a, a, a greater level of consciousness? These are all very, very ambiguous concepts. We're still not sure what this is that we're talking about, other than that it is the glue that holds all of reality, the totality of reality together, including our exchanges with one another, of all things, including animate, inanimate. But we still can't quite put our finger on what it is, how to describe it even. Again, awareness, sure. But it goes deeper than that. So how would one deepen their level of consciousness? Well, if you look at consciousness as a form of awareness, uh, at least as an initial matter, 
being aware that you're aware that you're aware, being aware that you can, that you are made of consciousness and, and thus can send information and receive information. I think awareness is key and in, in, in resolving to sharpen your, your awareness. I talk, I've talked about that before, being aware of your surroundings, being aware of the subtle uh, fluctuations of vibration. Does that make sense? Being aware of the subtle subtleties of our, our surroundings, being able to hear the still small voice within, resolving to be aware, not look for, but just align yourself with the unseen even, more of the felt. I have a feeling that in resolving and committing to doing that, which I try my best to do, feeling into uh, an energy, if you will, waking up in the morning and saying, you know, taking account of how I feel, and then really kind of exploring that and saying, why do I feel kind of this sense of foreboding? Or why am I feeling a little anxious? Why am I feeling giddy? <laughs> All of those things, and really sticking with that, I think may help us to sharpen our level of consciousness, as Grant put it, sharpen our level of awareness. And when we do, when we get accustomed to living in that space, perhaps contact with other life forms can ensue. It's interesting. Let's stick with this for a minute. Let's say you're out and about. Normally, you go out, you do your errands, go to the same store, you take the same route there. You don't really pay much attention because it's so it's so uh, uh, you're so accustomed to uh, you're, you're on autopilot. You're going wherever you're going. You go into the grocery store and you get your stuff and you leave. You come home. Do you recall what you just did? I mean, you generally do. But do you can you recall anybody that you saw what they were wearing? What was in their grocery cart, their shopping cart? Do you remember that when you were in your car or maybe you were traveling on the bus to, to the grocery store, any of the other places that you passed who was sitting next to you this is also called mindfulness by the way another term that's very popular today but what if you were it, it, let's say the answer to all of this is you know I don't really remember <laughs> because you're on autopilot what if you the next time you went about doing something like this you resolved to just be aware of as much as you could I bet you would see a whole bunch of things that you never realized were there if you could get yourself into a mood, into a mode, I should say, of behaving that way, I have a funny feeling that you may be priming yourself for an extraordinary experience that could include contact with extraterrestrial intelligence or non-human intelligence. That's just a thought. I'm trying to think if there's anything I want to see. I want to continue this. Again, I'm off the cuff today, once again, guys. So I hope hope you're able to get something out of this. We're, we're tackling, once again, just a little subject called consciousness. Just a little one. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all a little one. A big one. Primary. Necessary to discuss. Consciousness creates reality, not the other way around. So says Seth. Consciousness is primary. Consciousness is non-local omnipresent 
and we are it. So I say let's continue to explore it. Let's 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 work with this little this little experiment. I'm sure some of y'all have done this before. This resolving to be more mindful. I don't know if I like that word mindful. Just conscious on even just on the smallest things. I'm not the first to talk about this. I, I won't be the last. A lot of people have made reference to this, but I have a feeling that may be a way of sharpening our acuity, of uh, sharpening our uh, our consciousness, deepening our level of consciousness. And when we get in the habit of doing that, other things maybe in, in people, <laughs> other intelligences may be more apt to converse with us. You know, hmm. Okie dokie. I'm going <laughs> to shut it down for now. But before I do, listen. Hello, Wachiba Chongwe. Wajipa Chongwe. Please tell me I'm saying that right, my dear. What a lovely individual. What a lovely soul. Member of our Higher Journeys audience who, from the Netherlands, from Amsterdam, I believe who just sent me the most amazing, amazing sample of her artwork. Thank you, my dear. I am so touched that you sent me this. Maybe I can take a picture or at a minimum, I'm going to put your website up. Wajipachangwe.com, an amazing artist, musician, and a beautiful soul who has been a member of our audience for quite some time. Beautiful art with a message, inspirational for sure. The website's great, by the way. And she's got a a great uh, little get to know me video on her website that really gives a backdrop for for the inspiration for her art. She has a great history in terms of her family, her lineage, uh, and and how she was really brought into a world of creativity, I'm sure it was from the very beginning. But I, again, I want to thank you publicly, Wajipa, for the beautiful piece of art. And she sent me some they look like note cards with um, some of her artwork, um, as well as a beautiful book. So again, I want to say thank you. I appreciate you all so much. These may be just words coming out of my mouth, but I hope you can feel the sentiment behind it because I get so touched hearing from you, knowing that you are in resonance with some of what I have to say, and I with you. We're on a journey together, for sure. And it feels so good to know that this is a community that is passionate and not willing to let go of the dream of who we can really be, conscious, infinite beings. And so that, with that, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I will talk to you all soon. Listen, we've got a great, uh, let me just a little shout out for our next guest, William Buhlman, out-of-body expert, author of many books, including another one that I, I got to uh, I got to narrate for he and his wife, Higher Self Now. We're not going to talk about that. I think there's some other stuff on the plate he wants to talk about. We haven't had him on for, gosh, maybe a year or more. So stand by. I believe that will be our next show next Wednesday, uh, July 25th. William Buhlman, OBE expert. All right, gang, so stand by for that.
Listen, always a pleasure to talk to you and always a pleasure to contemplate with you. Let me hear from you as always. And uh, we'll continue this conversation too. I thank you once again for tuning in to Conscious Commentary for this Wednesday. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care.